Hello everyone and welcome along to this week's episode of The Weekly Stoic brought to you by the Think Curiously podcast and I'm your host, Gary Devaney. Now before we dive into this week's episode, I want to gently direct you towards our brand new website. That's www.think-curiously.com. The website has been created by Darren Wallace at Inspired Digital Media and it houses all the information that you would want to know about the podcast as well as the episodes and information on our guests. But when you click in for the very first time, it'll pop up a little screen to ask you to subscribe. You put your email address in there. I get your email address and I keep you updated once a week with an email of the most recent episodes, as well as some other information that may be included in what we're doing with the podcast. But I can promise you I'm not going to spam you with emails. It'll be one email a week, just with updates, as I said previously. So now that's out of the way. Here's what we have coming up on this week's episode. Now, the topic of conversation centers around understanding reason. And the passage that I'm going to read you next, I think it's actually a line that I read you next. I read at the start of the, the very start of the week, actually. I skipped forward a few pages in my journal. I was quite naughty that way, just to see what was coming up in the week. I never normally do that. I was a bit curious, so I did that. And this one, one line sort of jumped out at me. It said, if our lives are not ruled by reason, then what are they ruled by? And because I've seen it, I had a week to think about it. Well, actually five days to think about it before I got to writing my journal article around it. And uh, yeah, so that, that's essentially why it's here. That's why we've chosen the topic. And we will dive into that later on. Um, it does get quite deep philosophically, uh, which is no surprise if you've seen it, if you've heard other uh, episodes. But to kick us off, we jump back in time to meet with Posidonius, who was born in 135 BC. But to kick us off, we jump back in time to meet with Posidonius. He was born in 135 BC in an area which is now known as Syria. He would leave his homeland to travel to Athens sometime between 117 and 115 BC, where he found the Stoa Poikile, and if you remember, that is the original birthplace and public speaking space used by Zeno to collect together great minds to discuss philosophy in the very place that Stoicism was founded from. In that time and during his education, Posidonius stood out because of his brilliance. As sources would have it, he was a diverse thinker. He was interested in natural history, astronomy, meteorology, geometry, geography, geology. It seems to be everything ending in ology, as well as mathematics and so much more. His love for learning would then take him across Europe to places like Italy, Sicily, Greece, across to North Africa, as well as the Near East. As Posidonius travelled, his reputation grew as the greatest polymath since Aristotle. He measured tides in Spain and conducted ethnographic research in the Celts of Gaul. He measured the circumference of the Earth, the distance from the Sun and the Moon, and created models of both the globe and the known solar system. Posidonius worked and lived in many places around the world and travelled almost the entirety of the known world. He wrote many books, advised many powerful men, and was considered or is considered as one of the smartest men of the ancient world. A small part of the cosmic universe by his own admission, but an impressive contributor nonetheless. Right up to the day he passed in 51 BC, aged 84. Now, if you would like more information on Posidonius and any other contributors to the Stoic philosophy, you can do so by reading the book The Lives of the Stoics by Ryan Holiday. That is the book that this episode, or at least part of this episode, is based. Now, as I briefly mentioned at the top of the show, this week my reflections have being concerned with understanding reason and the part that it plays in our decision-making process. And before we can deconstruct my thoughts, have a listen to the extract from The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday that helped foster those thoughts behind my journal entry. March 30th. Reason in all things. 
Hurry to your own ruling reason, to the reason of the whole and to your neighbours, to your own mind to make it just, to the mind of the whole to remember your place in it, and to your neighbour's mind to learn whether it's ignorant or of sound knowledge, while recognising it's like yours. If our lives are not ruled by reason, what are they ruled by? Impulse, whim, unthinking habit. As we examine our past behaviour, it's sad how often we find this to be the case. That we are not acting consciously or deliberately, but instead by forces we did not bother to evaluate. It also happens that these are the instances that we're most likely to regret. I first started studying Stoicism for two main reasons. Firstly, it was recommended to me by a friend, and secondly, because I wanted to attempt to understand the drivers behind my own thoughts and feelings and emotions. And what I now realise is that our ability to apply reason is a central component to that decision-making process, as well as it being a central component to Stoicism. And as it states in the passage I've just read out, as we examine our past behaviours, it's sad that we often find that we're not acting consciously or deliberately, but instead by forces that we did not bother to evaluate. And I said it a few weeks back, how often do you give an opinion not realising that the opinion you're given isn't actually yours, it's somebody else's. You're regurgitating their opinion, you're using their words, their phrasing, even sometimes using the cadence and the tone that they speak in. How easily does society trick us into thinking that we're in control of our actions, only for us to then act, but then be held accountable for our actions and sold that they're socially unacceptable? You see, the application of reason then helps us find clarity in knowing what we can control, what we cannot control, as well as providing us with the wisdom to know the difference. Have a listen to my journal entry for the 30th of March as I answer the question, if I'm not ruled by reason, what am I ruled by? I tend to be very much impulse driven. I do think I plan well and I mean well, but often get knocked off course by impulse. I've made a few bad decisions when taking direction from impulses. For example, to move to a new house, to change jobs and to change cities and towns. Often reaching for the life that I want to live whilst forgetting to live the life that I'm actually living. But also as a means of running away from problems I've created. Checking the easy way out. Pretending that said moves were a pathway to a better life. Again, a lot of the reflections I have are based on decisions centred around pleasing others. I am pleased that I am now in a better headspace read those decisions and feel like I'm gaining more control, though I do note that there's still work that needs to be done. On further reflection, I would almost go as far as saying that at times I would have created a narrative to suit the decision, just like a spin doctor trying to convince others that his version of events are the truth. Or at times thinking to myself that if such a person could see me now, what would they think? And that's where the narrative fallacy plays its part. As the days and the weeks have passed, and with over 70 days worth of reflections penned, I have not yet done any form of SWOT analysis, though I do plan to. Absent of any analysis, I'm starting to realise, particularly when it comes to major decisions that I've made, that reason is the last thing that I have considered. As mentioned in my journal entry, I have been guilty of dreaming of the life that I want to live whilst forgetting to live the life that I am living. I think by nature I am quite a relaxed person, not much flusters me. But the catch is, I like to think that I apply logic to most decisions and reactions. But what this has shown me is that if I continue to believe that I think logically without reason, then I'm lying to myself because they come hand in hand. Thank you once again for listening to this week's episode. We will now conclude with six days worth of Stoic wisdom. March 26th. What rules your ruling reason? How does your ruling reason manage itself? 
for in that is the key to everything. Whatever else remains, be it in the pyre of your choice or not, is but a corpse and smoke. The Roman Sartist Juvenal is famous for this question, who watches the watchman? In a way, this is what Marcus is asking himself, and what you might ask yourself throughout the day. What influences the ruling reason that guides your life? This means an exploration of subjects like evolutionary biology, psychology, neurology, and even the subconscious, because these deeper forces shape even the most disciplined, rational minds. You can be the most patient person in the world, but if science shows we make poor decisions on empty stomachs, what good is all that patience? So just don't stop at stoicism, but explore the forces that drive and make stoicism possible. Learn what underpins this philosophy you're studying, how the body and the mind tick. Understand not only your ruling reason, the watchman, but whoever and whatever rules that too. March 27th. Pay what things are worth. Diogenes of Sinope said, we sell things of great value for things of very little and vice versa. You can buy a plume blanche diamond encrusted sofa for close to $200,000. It's also possible to hire one person to kill another for $500. Remember that the next time you hear someone ramble on about the market and what it decides, what things are worth. The market might be rational, but the people who comprise it are not. Theogenes, who founded the Cynic School, emphasized the true worth of things, a theme that persisted in Stoicism and was strongly reflected in both Epictetus and Marcus. It's easy to lose track. When the people around you dump a fortune into trinkets they can't take with them when they die, it might seem like a good investment for you to make too. But of course, it isn't. The good things in life cost what they cost. The unnecessary things are not worth it at any price. The key is being aware of the difference. March 28th. Paradise as a design problem. Life without a design is erratic. As soon as one is in place, principles become necessary. I think you'll concede that nothing is more shameful than uncertain and wavering conduct and beating a cowardly retreat. This will happen in all of our affairs unless we remove the fault that sees and detain our spirits, preventing them from pushing forward and making an all-out effort. The opposing team comes out strong, establishes an early lead and you never have time to recover. You walk into a business meeting and are caught off guard and the whole thing goes poorly. A delicate conversation escalates into a shouting match. You switched measures halfway through college and you start your coursework over and graduate late. Sound familiar? It's the chaos that ensues from not having a plan. Not because plans are perfect, but because people without plans, like an infantryman without a strong leader, are much more likely to get overwhelmed and fall apart. The Super Bowl winning coach Bill Walsh used to avoid this by scripting the beginning of his games. If you want to sleep at night before the game, he said in a lecture on game planning, Have your first 25 plays established in your own mind the night before that. You can walk into the stadium and you can start the game without the stress factor. You'll also be able to ignore a couple of early points or surprises from the opposition. It's irrelevant to you. You already have your marching orders. Don't try to make it up on the fly. Have a plan. March 29th. Why do you need to impress these people again? If you should ever turn your will to things outside of your control in order to impress someone, be sure that you have wrecked your whole purpose in life. Be content then to be a philosopher in all that you do. And if you wish also to be seen as one, show yourself first that you are and you will succeed. Is there anything sadder than the immense links we'll go to impress someone else? The things we'll do in order to earn someone's approval can seem when examined in retrospect like the result of some temporary form of insanity. Suddenly we're wearing uncomfortable, ridiculous clothes 
We've been told are cool, eating differently, talking differently, eagerly waiting the call or text. If we did these things because we liked it, that would be one thing. But that's not what it is. It's just a means to an end, to get someone to give us the nod. The irony, as Marcus Aurelius points out repeatedly, is that the people whose opinion we covet are not all that great. They're flawed, they're distracted and wowed by all sorts of silly things themselves. We know this, and yet we don't want to think about it. The quote from Fight Club again shows its face. We buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Doesn't that sound pretty ridiculous? But more than that, isn't it about as far as possible as you can get from the serenity and security that philosophy can provide? March 31st. You're a product of your training. Chasing what can't be done is madness, but the base person is unable to do anything else. A dog that's allowed to chase cars will chase cars. A child who's never given any boundaries will become spoiled. An investor without discipline is not an investor, he's a gambler. A mind that isn't in control of itself, that doesn't understand its power to regulate itself, will be jerked around by external events and unquestioned impulses. That can't be how you'd like tomorrow to go. So you must be aware of that. You must put in place training and habits now to replace ignorance and ill-discipline. Only then will you begin to behave and act differently. Only then will you stop seeking the impossible, the short-sighted and the unnecessary. April 1st, the colour of your thoughts. Your mind will take the shape of whatever you frequently hold in thought, for the human spirit is coloured by such impressions. If you bend your body into a sitting position every day long enough over a period of time, the curvature of your spine will change. A doctor can tell from a radiograph or an autopsy whether someone sat at a desk for a living. If you shove your feet into tiny, narrow dress shoes each day, your feet begin to take on that form as well. The true is seen for our mind. If you hold a perpetually negative outlook, soon enough everything you encounter will seem negative. Close it off and you'll become closed mind. Colour it with the wrong thoughts and your life will be dyed the same.